0: In the story of David, we see a foreshadowing of the coming kingdom of the Messiah. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. David's kingdom was sometimes a reflection of that coming kingdom, sometimes a poor reflection. But what we're going to see is a time of battle and David trying to take the throne with some opposition. We'll look at how that played out and some of the brutality of it and the lessons we can learn. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of living truth Christian fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. David didn't have a complete Bible like we have, and we have a couple of things that are really advantageous in the New Covenant. Number 1, we have the complete word of God, the full canon Number two, we have the Holy Spirit living where? Inside of us. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Does that sound like a promise to you? It does to me. James in chapter four says, you have not because you ask not. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And all God's people said, ouch. Sometimes when we're praying, God's saying, no, that's not the direction. That's not where I want your focus. And we keep beating on that door. And sometimes God says no or wait. And we're like, God's not talking to me. Oh, he is. Sometimes we just don't want to hear the answer. Amen? Now, I know we all struggle with the specifics. Like, can I turn to a Bible passage that says, should I move to this location or not? A Bible passage that says, should I take this job or not? We're commanded to ask and seek and knock. But even in that process, what does that cause you to do? Go to your Bible, go to prayer. That can be a healthy process. And even to say, Lord, not my will, but, hello, Yours be done. Wow. There's a lot that God does in the process when we pray. God, if you want me to do this, open a door. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him. David is said as a contrast to Saul. We've looked at this in the past. First Chronicles 10, 13 says that Saul asked counsel of a medium, medium making inquiry of it. 1 Chronicles 10, 14 says, and he, Saul, did not inquire of the Lord. The most important thing to see here is that David inquired of the Lord. Do we? How many decisions do we make week in and week out where we don't even bother to ask the Lord what he would want us to do? And then when we get ourselves in a tight space, then we pray. Well, I'm all out of options, Lord, so I guess I'll gulp, pray now. Oh, good. (laughs) Can you imagine being the Lord up in heaven, looking at us and how we deal with things? I know he's used to it by now, but still. And so David inquired. The Lord spoke to him. And this is something that makes David, of course, casting a shadow of Jesus Christ, is that he inquired of the Lord. So David went up, verse 2, 2 Samuel 2, He went up there uh, where God directed him and his two wives. We won't talk much about his two wives, but I will say this, that right now David has two wives and um, some of you are thinking, well, why does God let people get away with this? Well, they never quite get away with it. I'm sure you've probably noticed if you've read accounts where there's multiple wives in a man's life, it usually doesn't go very well. Amen? Amen? So... I will say this. David was not in God's perfect will here. And later he's going to marry other women. He's going to get himself in more and more trouble. So if you find a wife, you find a very good thing. A good wife, singular, is a blessing. You multiply wives, you multiply problems. (laughs) And that's where I will leave it for this morning. You have Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And so David did go up. He did obey God in the sense that he went up. And this is, of course, what we need to do when we ask God for direction. If he gives it to us, we need to obey him. If he says, go, go. If he says, stay, stay. If he says, do this, then we need to do it. And David brought up his men who were with him. These were men who had been faithful to David through all the difficulty with Saul, the hiding in caves, the battles, each with his household. And they lived in the cities of Hebron. David had loyal men who followed him to Hebron. And just a a side note, Hebron was the city of Abraham. The oaks of Mamre were at Hebron. There's a couple of major things to think about when you think about Hebron. Number one... Hebron was the only area where Abraham actually owned a parcel of land. It was a, it was a burial plot. It was a, a place to bury his loved ones. That's the only parcel of land in the promised land that Abram actually owned. So get this. God says, everywhere you look, everywhere you step, the land is yours. But it's not going to happen in your lifetime. Talk about patience. The only thing you're going to own Is a cemetery. Oh, come on, Lord. Just one mansion? Maybe a couple of acres would be nice. It's a big promised land. No. But the patriarchs being buried in a plot in Hebron speaks of the what? The promises from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're all there, buried there. Speaking of the promises, the second thing about Hebrew, just to take uh, Hebron to take note of, is that it was a a priestly city. It was a city of refuge. And what's interesting about that thought is that God would be a refuge to David, and he is a refuge to us. A refuge in the storm. We're going to have our difficulty too. We're going to have our difficulty walking after the kingdom, dealing with our own lives, trying to be faithful to what God calls us to be. And here we have a Levitical city or a city of refuge. And we have uh, the promises that link David to Hebron. Hebron is in the area of Judah down in the south. You can think of the area of Jerusalem and, and in that area and below it. Then the men of Judah came and there, verse 4, anointed David king over the house of Judah. So remember, Judah's just in the south now. And they told David, saying, It was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. So notice the men of Judah come. This may be the elders of the area. And they anointed David king, but only over what? Only over the house of Judah. What's interesting is we're going to see the seeds of the division of the kingdom come early on. Finally, under David and then Solomon, the tribes will actually unite. They will actually be one people under the leadership. But after Solomon, they fragment again. They are a people divided. It's the northern tribes and the southern tribes. Judah and Benjamin down here in the south, the area of Jerusalem, the Dead Sea area, and so forth. And up north, the Galilee region, the ten northern tribes. And even a nation that was supposed to be one and supposed to be a light to the Gentiles could not even be united. Sound familiar? In fact, we're about to read about a civil war in Israel There's a civil war in the history of the United States, but there's another war going on in our country right now. And here's what it is. What do we really believe? Who are we as a people? What are our foundations and do they really matter anymore? That's a question that is uh, before us all the time. And when I talk about our foundations, I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Christian Judeo ethic. I'm talking about the things that spring from that. And so David is anointed king, and he, he must have asked about Saul and what happened with the burial. And these men of Jabesh Gilead, we've, we've uh, read about them earlier. They were the ones that bravely walked all night. They came and got Saul's body, and they gave him a decent burial. So David's been anointed as king, but he has to wait and wait and wait some more to be finally over the entire nation. What are some good examples of waiting? Uh, some of you had to wait a while to, how many of you were excited about getting your driver's license? I could not wait. Now, some teens in our culture seem to be a little hesitant about getting on the road. I'm not sure what's going on there. I know we're a little hesitant about them being on the road. I, I understand that. <laughs> I remember one time we were, we were uh, coaching a uh, Little League All-Star team. It was 13 and 14 year olds. And We're having a practice on the field, and one of our players pulled up in a van. We're a little concerned because we're coaching 13 and (laughs) 14-year-olds. So anyway, there you go. Some some people don't wait, apparently. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, and he said to them, May you be blessed of the Lord, because you have shown this kindness to Saul, your Lord, and you have buried him. Another great thing about David's leadership is that he, he encouraged these men of Jabesh Gilead who showed bravery, risked their lives. He complimented them. And that's something that good leadership has to do as well. We need to be encouragers and encourage means to put courage in. Discourage means to take courage out. What would you say you are, generally speaking? An encourager Or a discourager. Well, David was an encourager. And he said, may you be blessed. You've shown loyal love. You've shown hesed. And now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you. A great prayer. And I also will show this goodness to you. David says, I'm now the king. And I'm going to do this thing to you as well. I will show it to you. You know, most people, you guys, are not going to see God's love unless they see it through you. Would you agree? Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. If you were to simplify the Christian blog. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you And you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. Discourage means to take courage out. What would you say you are, generally speaking? An encourager Or a discourager. Well, David was an encourager. And he said, may you be blessed. You've shown loyal love. You've shown hesed. And now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you. A great prayer. And I also will show this goodness to you. David says, I'm now the king. And I'm going to do this thing to you as well. I will show it to you. You know, most people, you guys, are not going to see God's love unless they see it through you. Would you agree? Jesus said, They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. If you were to simplify the Christian walk, what you could just say is, Lord, let everything I do this week be done in love. Speak, let me speak the truth in love. Let me defer in love. Let me do uh, kindly in love. Let me be careful of my words in love. And so David says to them, now therefore seven, let your hands be strong, be valiant. He puts courage into them for Saul, your Lord is dead. I know we've gone through a national tragedy and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. David says, I'm your king. Be strong, be valiant. I will support you. I will bless you. But now we're about to have a swing in the story. There's a contrast with this man named Abner. Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. So all of a sudden Abner comes on the stage. Abner was Saul's commander. Abner I don't think liked David very much. And I think part of the reason Abner didn't like David was Saul's attitude toward David. Saul was bitter jealous, vengeful toward David. And Abner was around him all the time. There was a scene uh, in in the uh, book of 1 Samuel where David snuck into the camp and he took Saul's, uh, I think it was his spear and the water jug, went to the other side of the mountain and said, hey! And the camp over there had been sound asleep. The language is actually from Genesis when uh, Adam was put into a sound sleep. And he called from the other side of the ridge and he said, hey, look at what I've got. Aren't you guys supposed to be guarding your king? And then he called out Abner by name. He said, Abner, apparently you're not doing your job very well. I think Abner didn't like David very much. But Abner had spent a lot of time around Saul and Saul was throwing spears at David and trying to run down David. And have you noticed, if you have a person who is in your ear about another person and continually runs them down to you, even though you don't know them, you begin to form an opinion about that person. You hear what I'm saying? When you don't even know if those are the facts. I'd be careful about people who chirp in your ear about others, who may not be giving you the straight skinny. And sometimes we have a, an opinion formed about a person before we've ever even said two words to that person. People love the gossip scene, don't they? The magazines on the rack right next to the mints. I'm just looking for mints. Oh, what's going on over there with that person? Boy, they don't look so good anymore, right? They always put the most flattering photos in those magazines, right? Faces contorted. Gain 10 pounds on the beach. <laughs> right? You're like, whoa, wow. How many of you ever do the, the search where you watched a TV show years ago and on the internet it pops up, what do they look like now? Or let's, let's go see what, ha- oh. You, wow, because you remember what they looked like years ago. Isn't it good that nobody's doing that for us? Do you ever look at pictures? You forget what's happened to you in a decade. (laughs) You think that maybe it doesn't apply to you. And then you look at a before and after and you go, oh my goodness, what has happened to me? Time, decay. (laughs) Oh Lord, help me. And you start to celebrate that new body that's coming. More and more. I don't even know how we ended up there. But anyway, let's go back to <laughs> <laughs> verse 8. <laughs> Personal rant. We move on. Now, Abner was either Saul's uncle or cousin. So there was a familial connection, too. And Abner, instead of going with the Lord's anointed, decided to anoint this man named ish some of you are thinking, who would ever name their child Ishbosheth? Oh, it gets worse. Ishbosheth means man of shame. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. Some of you may be considering this name. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No. Well, actually, his original name was Ishbal or Baal. Write down for your notes, 1 Chronicles. 833. The word B-A-A-L, Baal, can just simply mean Lord. It's a Canaanite word or master. But we all know that Baal or Baal became what? A Canaanite God. And so some Israelites apparently were, had a Baal ending on their name. I don't know all the reasons why, and so in a derogatory name, the way, the Jews would change the name and they would change the ending. And in this case, instead of him being ish was. Ch- it was changed to ish Boshef. And, and it's something like this. That's a shameful name. Baal's a shameful name. So we'll just call you what it is. Ish is interesting because it's the name for man. So it can be man. In the original way you could define it, it could be man of the Lord or man who serves, or something like that, because ish is man, but it also can mean in the fire. So in the fire for the Lord, or something like that, but it becomes something like a man, or fire, and then this ending. So fire and shame, something like that. It was a derogatory nickname. If you ever had you know maybe school kids when you were growing up give you a nickname that you didn't appreciate. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. And he, Abner, made him Ishbosheth king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, and over Benjamin, even over all Israel. Now remember, Saul and his family were from the tribe of Benjamin. So who made Ishbosheth king? Well, it was Abner. What was Abner's motivation to make Ishbosheth king? Well, here's part of it. David had a commander already. We're going to meet him. His name is Joab. And Abner, if David becomes the king, has lost his position and his job. Think about the shadow that David casts. The religious leadership of Jesus's day knew that he was the Messiah. They knew it. They could not deny his miracles. They could not deny his power. They even knew that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. But the reason that they would not accept him as their king was that he threatened what? Their positions. Their their ability to make wealth. Their power. Many of them were in league with Rome. Rome was giving them enough flexibility where they could rip off the people with the bazaar, the, what they did in the temple area. Jesus went in there, turned over the tables. He said, this house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. They said, oh, we don't like this man. They tried to question him. They tried to see if he would give proper answers. And then they asked him no more questions. Because never did a man speak like him. He shut him down every time. He put him in their place. And they knew who he was. And they killed him anyway. In fact, that's why they killed him. Do you know that? Jesus tells a parable where he says, he puts words in their mouth where they say, this is the heir. Come let us, what? Kill him. He was a threat to them. And Abner Becomes a type of the religious leader. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began, when he became king over Israel. And he was king for two years. He's going to be assassinated. The house of Judah, however, followed David. Now here you have a divide. Here you have a nation divided. Some are following the anointed one and some are following this son of Saul, which on a human level makes sense. The son who survived should be the king, right? Wrong. Jonathan already knew that David was the king. Jonathan is dead now. Ishbosheth has no business reigning over the people. In fact, he wouldn't even be on the battlefield with his father. Why was he too weak? Perhaps was he? Did they leave him at home just in case? Maybe. Jesus says, "No one can serve two masters. You will cling to the one and hate the other. Love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God." And Mammon. We are faced with this all the time. We have Ishbosheth over here, and we have David or the greater David, Jesus, over here, and constantly we have to decide to which king will we bow today? What throne will we bow before? Every day we have to decide. And so there's a division. Now, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years. And six months. Little debate about the timing here, but I would just say this that it may be that as wars were going on, it took some time for Ishbosheth to take the throne, but Abner did it, I don't think because of Saul's death, I think because of David's ascension. I think it's a, a counter move. Now, Abner, the son of Ner, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. This is about a 50 mile journey. They would cross the Jordan and go south. With the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, so now they are moving, and Joab. Now Joab is David's commander. We're going to see him take a prominent role as the book unfolds. The son of Z- that that person. You can write down First Chronicles two sixteen. Zuru-ai, uh, <laughs> Anyway, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So you have the two armies now moving. How did Joab hear about Abner being on the move? I don't know. But he had set up this puppet king in this location. And David had been set up in Hebron. And one army starts moving. They cross the Jordan. They start moving south. Joab starts moving north. And we're going to have a collision. And it may be that Joab got word. It was about a 25-mile trip for Joab and the soldiers and about 50 miles for the other guys. And so they meet at a pool. This is, uh, notice, they sat down on one side of the pool and the other on the other side. So this is uh, a body of water that's there, not a pool as we would think of it today. And they're on opposite sides of a, something like a reservoir, the Reservoir of Gibeon, to provide some separation in space, looking at each other. We've all probably watched battle movies where for a while the two armies are there and you kind of wonder, who's going to fire the first shot? What, what's going to be the action point? Who's going to, you know, cause the fighting to begin? And Abner takes the lead, verse 14. He says to Joab, Now let the young men arise and hold a contest before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So Abner says, okay, we've looked at each other long enough. We've had our iced tea. It's, t- <laughs> it's time to get up and get some action going. So let's have a contest, Okay. The word contest in Hebrew, by the way, can't have the idea of entertainment. It can suggest amusement or even a lighthearted joust or competition. And so notice what happens. So they arose and went over by count 12 for Benjamin, that is Saul's side, if you will, and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 of the servants of David. Now there's the number 12. What do you think they may be saying with the number 12? There's 12 tribes in Israel, right? So they may be saying, look, we're going to have representatives from each group. We'll use the number 12 because both men want to be king. And so we'll have 12 from this group and 12 from that group. And let's let's let them settle it. Almost like when David took on Goliath. Right. Hey, folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals, and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth, and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.